Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. As longtime members of the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, or Bella, know, we offer a special concierge service whereby Bella members who have any questions at all about ethics and compliance can send them to us, and then our internal experts will provide an answer and or direct them to a helpful resource for more information. Some of these concierge requests are rather specific to a particular company's needs, but many of them represent larger themes facing Bella members. That's why we're using this show to thematically respond to high-level questions from the Bella community. And joining us to give those responses is Bella Chair Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, as always, it's a delight to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bill. Um, you know, as, as, as listeners of this particular subset of the Ethicast know by now, um, we get hundreds, literally hundreds, of these concierge requests a year. And uh, there are so many themes that pop out when you look at them in the aggregate. So uh, it, I really think it's incumbent on us to answer these questions, because if one Bella member is asking it, chances are good five or six people out there are wondering the same thing. Most definitely. And one of the biggest topics that we've seen in all this is the topic of investigations. Uh, we've mm -hmm. got a ton of great questions on there. We've already done one episode about the right volume of investigations to achieve like maximum impact. Uh, but another question we want to address is about data. You know, mm -hmm. investigations generate a ton of data. And in today's business environment, data is gold. You always want to make use of it. So we have a lot of questions about when it comes to investigation generated data, where should I use it? What level of use is appropriate? And I think most importantly, how do I convince the powers that be to let me use that data in the first place? Well, Bill, I am, uh, I'm excited to answer all those questions, but I'm first going to ask you to make a promise to me, which is we are not talking about velociraptors in part two of the investigations, Bill asks. Erica, I can't make a promise to you that I might end up breaking. So I'll just tell you that I'll try and we'll just yeah, see what do happens. Do your best. All I can ask is that you just do your best. We're not going <laughs> to go down a dinosaur rabbit hole on this one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, investigations t generate a ton of data. Um, they also generate some of the very, very best pieces of guidance on how things go wrong inside your organization, because you are literally looking into the allegation that something went wrong inside your organization. Um, at the same time, as those two, you know, as, as true as, as those two facts are, you have to balance that with the privacy and confidentiality of the people involved, right? So it is a line you have to walk every time to say, what am I comfortable sharing versus the potential use case or benefit of sharing the information? On the, the use case and benefit side of the puzzle is one particular insight from our culture data, which is there are still too many employees out there who uh, don't believe that anything happens when uh, an employee engages in misconduct. It is the second most common reason given in our culture survey data set as to why somebody didn't raise a concern uh, when they when they saw something. Uh, and basically the answer was, well, nothing's gonna happen anyway, so why should I bother? A big driver of that is the fact that we as compliance professionals have spent 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever it might be, emphasizing the termination part of up to and including termination. And so lots and lots of people out there think, well, if, if Bill's not frog marched out the front door with his things in a box, then nothing happened. And of course we know that's not true, right? So the way you fix that is by being more transparent about what happens at a broad level with your investigations process. So what we have seen companies doing, and we've got lots of great examples of this in the Bella Member Hub, is starting to disclose metrics, average days to close an investigation, uh, types of misconduct raised, uh, number of people disciplined, method of discipline, 
those are broad enough metrics that you know you're not you're not revealing the private details of any of those investigations by sharing those kinds of metrics so start there right start there start with the being transparent about the process is a great first step right if you can get past the being transparent about the process piece of it then you can move into how do i actually use the fact patterns in my investigations to teach employees how things go wrong right and we have lots of examples of companies making very good use of anonymized scenarios in their communications, in their training, um, in their manager toolkits, so that employees can actually practice and say, oh, wow, like I can see how that could happen in the work that I'm doing today. So um, those are a couple of, of things we see companies doing uh, right now that have been particularly terrific. And then the last the one thing I, I will say um, from a data perspective is in about 35, 36% of cases um, in our 2023 data set, companies are actually sharing those investigation stats publicly, right? So it's not just sharing them with employees. We're starting to see them show up in ESG reports. We're starting to see them show up in standalone speakup reports. Um, one of the best I've seen in the standalone speakup report category, and you guys can all go look it up online, is the report that Care First released, right? So they 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 made a lot of this data available, and they did it because they uh, you know they they wanted people to understand how things actually work on the ground to increase transparency and faith in uh, speaking up. Your travels in the ethics and compliance space are extensive, and you've seen a ton of real world use cases. And I'm kind of curious. Have you ever come across a scenario where a company maybe had the best of intentions, but their use of data on investigations actually ended up being not so great and produced suboptimal outcomes and kind of, you know, produced sort of a, a warning to others and this is what not to do? Yeah, um, I haven't seen any of the kind of doomsday scenario situations, Bill, where, you know, it's like the plaintiff's lawyers got hold of your, you know, investigations data and there was some uh, some some litigation outcome that was that was suboptimal, right? Um, which is often the the pushback you get from wanting to share this kind of data from your employment you know yeah. relations people from your employment lawyers is no 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 because then the lawyers are going to take all our money, right? Um, I have not seen that happen. What I have seen is companies rush to get numbers out when they only have a piece of the story. And so my strong recommendation to somebody who's out there thinking about doing this is. First, really make sure that you understand what the data is telling you and that you have the data. Because if you don't have your arms around the data that's out there, if you have a investigation process that is running parallel to your main investigation process, right? One of the best examples of this is, is when HR does some investigations and compliance does the other and never the two shall meet. Those are not situations where I would go out with your aggregated data because you're only telling one piece of the story. So the first thing is, is really to make sure that you have your, your arms around the data, that you understand what it tells you, that you understand what it doesn't tell you, right? That you're presenting the data in the appropriate context and that you know what the narrative is that, that you're going to be telling around the data. If you've got all of those pieces in place, then I can say I haven't really, I haven't seen suboptimal outcomes. The places I've seen suboptimal outcomes are when you're going out with just one piece of the puzzle. Um, and then it ends up feeling inauthentic to the employees who have um, experienced something that is not reflected in the data story that you're telling. So one example of that is we were working with one Bella member 
um, who was was uh, you know getting ready to share some of their or had just shared some of their investigations data from the compliance side of the house, and they had gone out with it and they had presented it as investigations data, not compliance investigations data, and they didn't take into consideration any of the HR information that was out there. And HR's average days to close were about 35 days longer than compliances. And so you had all of these people who were mired in an HR investigation process that was dragging on and on and on, who saw the numbers come out from the compliance side and were like, what the heck, right? Yeah. And it created a yeah. huge kerfuffle. So just make sure you understand you know, what the data actually is that you're sharing and the story it's telling before you go forward with the data. Well, Erica, as always, it's fascinating to hear you bring your insights and your understanding of these topics. I learned an awful lot from them. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you know with the Bell community and with everyone else in the ethics economy. Thanks so much. Well, Bill, it is absolutely my pleasure. And congratulations, you made it through this entire episode without mentioning dinosaurs. Nice work. <laughs> the trick is making you do it for me. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been a special Bella Asks episode of The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. If this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. It means a lot to us if you could subscribe, so thanks so much in advance. To learn more about Bella, please visit bella.ethisphere.com to request guest access to the Bella Member Resource Hub and to speak with the Bella Engagement Director. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.